This is a reading from St. Peter's first letter, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, found on page 1014 of the Pew Bibles. Hear these words from the book that we love. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, daylight saving has officially come to an end, uh, which means more sleep for most of you, unless you are a parent of toddlers or infants, probably meant just the same amount of sleep, if not less. But my prayer for you, I will say this truthfully, I did pray last night for you parents of toddlers and Infants, I was there at one point where the kids do not sleep in no matter what, so I pray that hopefully that would be the case for you today, um, and God would grant you that. But I actually enjoy daylight savings ending. I know it gets darker earlier, but it's also a way of us saying, like, fall is officially here. The weather doesn't seem to understand that. Like, it's like in, it's freezing one night, and then, like, next week I saw it's going to go back in the 70s, the, you know, trunk or treat. It was like in the 80s. So it's like, it's just us saying like, we're embracing fall. I'm embracing fall. I'm already wearing flannel now. I fully embrace, you know, as us white guys do, we wear flannel in the fall. That's what we're doing. I'm embracing it. I'm ready to go. So I hope you're ready to go. And uh, we're going to continue our fall series, which is called I Believe. And we'll be going through the Apostles' Creed. If you haven't been with us, the Apostles' Creed is just this ancient summary of the Christian faith. It's just a simple way of us saying, like, hey, if we're going to go through Scripture, what are the signposts? What are the main things, the, the points we want to hit? And that's what it, kind of, it gives us. And so the, it's kind of broken up in three paragraphs, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we're in the third paragraph. And the third paragraph is about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at two lines from that paragraph today, which shows us and reminds us that the Holy Spirit is actually active in this way and actually does these things for us. So the two lines we're going to look at are the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. The Holy Catholic Church is might, what you might refer to as capital C Church. That means, Catholic means universal, so it's not necessarily Roman Catholic. It's Catholic meaning universal means all believers in all times and places. So Christians today who might not attend here that are elsewhere in Africa and other parts of the United States and all around the world, they are part of the Holy Catholic Church. People who have died, churches of the past, Christians of the past, they're part of the Holy Catholic Church. But then you have the communion of saints, which is what we might say is lowercase c. So you have, up, you have capital C, lowercase c which is the local expression of God's people, the local church. So the church, universal and local, though, has taken some hits lately, for honest. We have a little bit of a PR problem. Some of it, honestly, is of our own doing. Like, you think about maybe some cases of abuse, like, that was, that's our fault, that's on us, and we need to take care of that and really need to eradicate those things from our midst. But young people, you particularly know this when you think about things like TikTok and Instagram and other social media platforms. Not only do they steal your information and give it to China, that was a joke, guys, but they're also very much filled with people critiquing the church. And I'll just give you like two quick responses to that. First, beware people who critique the church without accountability to the church. 
Like, beware people who are going to dictate to the church what the church should be doing, yet they have no intention to ever live under the accountability of the local church. We have a, lot, a big problem with that. So listen, hear the objections, hear the critiques, but don't let those voices actually dictate to you what the church should be about. In other words, don't listen to the rogues. Right? Don't listen to people just like throwing stones. Actually listen to people who are doing their best to build it here and now. But secondly, and this is probably more important, Jesus never talks about the church the way many of those people do. Jesus loves the church. So much so, Paul says this in Ephesians 5. He says, you know what? Husbands, you want to know how you should love your wives? Love your wife like Christ loves the church. And he says, here's what Christ did for the church. He gave himself up for her. He's saying, husbands, Christ loved the church so much that he was sacrificial and gave up his life for her. And if Jesus loves the church, so should we. But we have to actually determine what the church is so we can know what we're supposed to be about. And so I want to talk today about the church, and I'm going to talk about how the church is the covenant people of God built on Christ as its foundation with its members taking seriously their responsibility for the world. So it's about the church is the covenant people of God. It's built on the foundation of Christ, and its members take seriously their responsibility. And so I want to compare and contrast two things. I want to compare and contrast. There's a lot of B's today, all right? B's, the letter B, not buzz, buzz B. B, the letter. Brands and barriers. And I want to compare that and contrast that with building and body. Which should the church be about? Brands and barriers or building and body? So let's look at 1 Peter 2, verse 4 through 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, he's talking about Jesus, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves live, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What's Peter saying here? He's saying the church is the continuation of, and the maturation of the believing covenant people of God. All right? So follow me here for a second. The church in Israel are not distinct. They're not two separate things. But the church also doesn't replace Israel. Rather, the church is the continuation and the maturation, think about maturing, of the story of Israel. God's people beginning with Israel, specifically believing Israel. So Old Testament saints like Abraham who believed in God and his promises and was counted to them as righteousness, we are continuing that story. So Peter says the capital C church is the true Israel of God, the covenant people of God. So the Old Testament had a temple it had a house, but now we have the church, which is the temple. 
not your local church, but us together, all of us, all Christians, are the temple, the church, the house. And that temple in the Old Testament was built on a mount. It was built on a stone. And Peter says, actually, in the New Testament now, the continuation, the maturation is Christ is the stone. In the Old Testament, there were Levitical priests who were responsible for worship. But now all those who put their faith in Jesus are priests responsible for worship. And he's saying Old Testament, there were animal sacrifices. But now we have spiritual sacrifices where we give our lives as spiritual sacrifices to God. That's what Romans 12.1 says. And Paul elsewhere, like in the New Testament, Paul will say things like, the church is the Israel of God. He says that in Galatians 6.16. In Romans, he does something really interesting. He says, listen, true Jews are ones who are Jews inwardly. That's what he says in Romans 2.20-29. In other words, what he's saying, look, being a Jew on the outside doesn't automatically make you part of God's covenant people. Your heart has to be changed by God through faith. So he says, look, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised in the flesh, you need to be circumcised in the heart. So he says in Romans 3, particularly 22 to 24, he says, everyone, Jew and Gentile, have sinned. Everyone, Jew and Gentile, falls short of the glory of God, but God's righteousness is for those who believe in Jesus. So that means, all this to say, that means that even Gentiles, non-Jews, can be part of true Israel. Because it's not the flesh that determines that, but the heart determines that through faith in Christ. So in other words, God wasn't like, whoops, look, I messed up with the Jews I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be faithful to them anymore. I'm just going to start over, and we're going to start with the church. That's not what happened. Rather, what happened is like, when you believe in Jesus, you become part of the church, capital C Church, which is a continuation of the believing covenant people of God. So that's, your story stretches all the way back to Abraham to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to David, and so on and so forth. Listen, the church was not started with Billy Graham. It was not. It wasn't even started with Augustine. The church is a story that stretches all the way back to God's faithfulness to his people through millennia after millennia after millennia. But before I continue, let me just pause for one moment because I know what's happening. Everything is happening in Israel. Even though it would be incorrect to say when we talk about Israel, we're talking about the state of Israel. Please don't take what I'm saying to mean that because of the church, God doesn't care about the Jews. And I feel like I have to say that. And I feel like in the 21st century, I can't believe I have to say that. But so many horrible things have been done by Christians with this misunderstanding, this misunderstanding that the church has replaced Israel, so therefore God wants nothing to do with them anymore. They had their shot. They had a chance to accept Jesus. And guess what? They didn't, so forget it. 
Rather, because the story is a continuation and maturation of God's covenant people, which included calling the Jewish Old Testament saints, and of course, by the way, newsflash, Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was a Jew. And it included Jewish Christians to start the church's process with the apostles. And it includes Jewish Christians today. What we should be doing when it comes to the Jews is not rejecting them, but being like Paul in Romans 10.1 who says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Our hearts should turn towards the Jewish people in prayer that the Jews might be saved by putting their faith in Christ like many have through two millennia. And so the continued and matured covenant people of God, the church, God's people, and were built on Christ as the foundation. But there's been many times where that hasn't been the case. So first one, brands. This was actually the point of emphasis, and if anybody listens to the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, which came out a couple years ago and traced the rise of Mark Driscoll's church, Mars Hill in Seattle, and it then tracked its fall. And look, it didn't start that way. They started building on Christ, but somewhere along the line, it shifted from being about Christ and building on Christ as the foundation to about building up the brand, specifically Mark Driscoll's brand. Churches don't typically wake up one day and say, you know what, we're going to build a brand. That's why we're starting this church, to build a brand. I'm sure there's some people who do that, but most don't do that. But eventually what happens is it becomes about the preacher, It becomes about the music or the church building, building their local church on the brand rather than on Christ. And when you build on brands, you have to protect the brands at all costs, don't you? If it's about the brand, I got to protect it. It's about Jesus. I don't have to protect him. He, He can do it himself. And when we protect the brand at all costs, what happens is things like abuse get swept under the rug. Well, we can't talk about it because of the brand. We don't want to destroy the church. We don't want to destroy our church. Like, I like brand recognition is fine. I mean, we have a liberty sign right there. There's some level like the brands help us, you know, with the community. So when people see us out in the community, like, oh, Liberty Church, that's right. They gave me turkeys at Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, that's right. They did trunk or treat for my kids. In some sense, it's okay, but it can't be about this. It's got to be about Christ. I actually know a young man who I love dearly. I would die for this young man who won't go to church because his church built a global brand that had several scandals, and it hurt him so deeply. And although much of the fault lies on that church, what this young man did is he blended the covenant people of God with the brand. And now he can't distinguish the two. 
well, if that's what the church is, then I don't want any part of it. It's like, no, that's not the church. That was a brand. The brand was the problem. And we have to ask ourselves the question, are we building a brand here? Is it about liberty? Or is it about putting Christ and his church first? Or there's other ways we build brands, really. Like, are you constantly comparing your current church with your former one? So, so you'll always be dissatisfied with this one because it doesn't match the one that you left. Which, by the way, you paint with a broad paintbrush, broad strokes, and like, that church was awesome. It was perfect. Look, I'll just be honest with you. I've been in many churches. I know how the sausage is made. That church was not perfect. Spurgeon, right? Spurgeon is one of the best preachers of all time, one of the most famous preachers of all time. He said, look, I know if I show up at a church and I think that's perfect, as soon as I show up, the church becomes imperfect because I'm a sinner. Look, that can be a brand, too, always comparing to the church that we left. I know, I know people who I'm close to, this was in my notes, but this is for free. I know people that I'm close to who actually left churches that focused on the brand but can't go anywhere else because it doesn't look like the church that they left because of the brand. Look, God is calling us to grow in contentment with places he's placed us. Not to fall in love with the brand, but to fall in love with Jesus and his people. But more often than not, what we do is we build barriers than we do brands. More often than not, churches build their identity on the barriers they put up as a way to keep certain people out. I have a friend named Kevin Cauley. He's a pastor in Oklahoma City. He says, COVID was a microwave. He says it took all the worst attributes of our society, threw them in the microwave, and heated them up. And what, what I, we've seen is that many churches, not all, grew, that churches, a lot of churches that grew during COVID were, did so by putting up barriers. Well, Democrats, they're out. Republicans, in. So as long as you're a Republican, you can come to church here. And we got to be honest, it happened the other way too. We have anti-mandates, anti-vaccines, anti-masks. Those people are in. But pro, you're out. And like I said, vice versa too. And it wasn't just during COVID. Over the centuries, it's been like certain theological positions on the end times, you're in. If you have a different one, you're out. This musical preference, if you like this, this kind of music, you can be a part of our church. But if you don't like this kind of music, you can't be. Or you have to read this Bible translation. And there might be all these other faithful translations, but you have to read this one. If you don't read this one, you are out. What about ethnicities? Well, unless you look like this, you can't come to this church or economic statuses, unless you have this kind of money, we don't want you at this church. In and out, building barriers. And we should never, though, put up barriers where God hasn't. God is in the business of expanding boundaries to include more people. 
So Galatians 3.20, I'm just going to read off some verses. says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, listen to this, ethnicities, neither slave nor free, economic status, there is no male and female, gender, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Isaiah 56.7 says, For my house shall be called a house of prayer. For what? For all peoples. You don't have to be Hebrew scholar. I'll just tell you, all means all. Ephesians 2.19 says this, So then you Gentiles, he's talking to, are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It's like just because you're a Gentile doesn't mean you're out. See, when God puts up boundaries, it's never, and God puts up, sorry, when God puts up barriers, it's never between people and people. When God puts up barriers, it's only to put his people, make distance between his people and certain behaviors, which we call sin. Certain behaviors can't be tolerated for the sake of holiness. Just like cancer can't be tolerated if you want to get healthy. You got to get that thing out of you. So in places like 1 Corinthians, Paul does this. The Apostle Paul tells the Corinthian Christians, he says, you need to remove a certain man from your church. Why? Because he's sleeping with his father's wife. Can't be tolerated. But why does he say to do that? It's always for this reason. He says in 1 Corinthians 5.5, he says, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Whenever God puts up barriers for behavior, the goal is repentance for the sake of that person's soul. But God never says, because you look like this, because you make this much money, because you vote this way, you're in or you're out. He never does that. Never. Brands and barriers designed to keep people out build consumers, not covenant people. If it's about the brand, it, it builds consumers who become loyal to the brand, and it becomes about what I want and what the brand can give me. Or if it's about barriers, it's about, keeping who, about who we're keeping out. And it creates, this false sense of, it creates this false sense of safety and protection of me and what I want and who I have to associate with. So like if this is a church for Republicans, I don't have to associate with, with Democrats if this is a church for Democrats, I don't have to associate with Republicans. Woo! And when we start to consume, and it becomes about what I want and what the church can give me, I treat the church like a product. And when I don't like the product, I lodge complaints. So you hear things like, the preaching... It's not deep enough. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I, I, you know, I understand all the theology and the pastor, just his theology is just not strong enough. Or the music, the music's not rocking enough. You know, it's just not jamming enough. Like, I don't really want to be here. Like, you know, the, the drums aren't loud enough. They need like 20 guitars up there. Like, it's just not good enough. Or maybe go the other way, like the liturgy, just not meaningful enough. You know, it's just, it's not historic enough. We use contemporary language. We should be using these and thous all over the place. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> My favorite is, I'm not getting fed. I mean, there's some legitimate complaints. We can actually debate some of those things, absolutely. But oftentimes, it's because we treated the church like a product. 
that we consume. Francis Chan, he's this pastor, he, he one time had a congregant said, came up to him after church, said, I didn't like worship today. And you know what his response was? That's okay. We weren't worshiping you. Early in our marriage, Amanda and I, we were on the house hunt, and we fell in love with this house where we, near where we were living at the time. It was this like cute stone house with a wonderful backyard, it had this beautiful fireplace, but there was one problem with it. You know what the problem was? The foundation. When you go buy the house, young people, when you go buy a house, or those of you looking for houses, it doesn't matter how nice it looks. If the foundation is bad, stay away. A building is only as good as its foundation, and the same is true for the church. So when I look for a church, do I start looking at what I want, like the music or what kind of programs they have for my kids or for me? What kind of small group ministry do they have? Do I look for what ethnicities or economic statuses or political positions are represented? If I do, that's a church built on me, and let me promise you, that church will be a lemon of a church. Or do I start by looking at the foundation? Is Christ the foundation? Are we building on Christ? And so the first of the opposite analogies are building. And Peter talks about this in starting, pick up at verse 6 again. He says this, for it stands in Scripture, behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone. Now listen just all the stone and rock language. Ready? Here we go. A cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. N.T. Wright, when he talks about this passage, he says, he says, there was a long tradition of speaking about the temple being built on the rock, on the cornerstone. And the idea was, find the right stone, and you may be on the way to building the new temple, ready for God to return. And Peter says, the foundation stone is Christ. He's the right stone that you're looking for. The church must be built as a spiritual house, as a temple, as a building built on Christ. This house, Sam Storm says, the true temple of God is living and thus pulsating with life. It's a vibrant and ever-increasing organic reality that grows with each instance of conversion and expands by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're saying the church is built on Christ and the Holy Spirit grows it and expands it. And whenever anyone puts their faith in Jesus, they receive the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit brings them into the covenant people of God, the church. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I don't want you to check out when we're talking about the church. I want you to listen to me. This is what it's saying is Christ is the foundation. The Holy Spirit wants to bring you into the covenant people of God. And the church continues to expand by the Holy Spirit as people are welcomed in. And whenever the Holy Spirit is active, the church is living, it's vibrant, it's pulsating with life. But the building has to be built on Christ, the foundation. And the other way the Bible talks about it, and one of the other analogies is a body. Romans 4, 12, 4 through 6 says this, 
as, for as in one body we have many members, and many members do not all have the same function, so though many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that dif- differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Here's what he's saying. Christ is the head of the body. But each one of us plays our part, like eyes and hands and feet and mouths and so forth, all play their part for a well-functioning body. And though Christ is the head, the body is not disconnected from the head. Look, you don't get the head without the body, and you don't get the body without the head. You don't, we've said this probably a thousand times here, you do not get Christ without his people. You never do. The Bible never talks about, you know what's fine, just go listen to a podcast in the woods and read your Bible, and you don't need to talk to another Christian the rest of your life. No, it never says that. It actually warns against that. Warns against being disconnected from the body. See, in a world that's all about me, where people are continually becoming more and more disconnected and independent, the body of Christ is filled with members who counterculturally commit to being attached to the head, Christ, and who counterculturally commit to being interconnected with each other, being interdependent with each other, bringing out our bringing our individual gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us and bringing them together to produce a healthy, well-functioning body. Look, the church isn't about me. The church has always been about he and we. Always. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 10 says this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. He's actually picking up language from Hosea, which we can't go into deeply today. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Listen, Christ was torn apart on the cross so that he could bring a people together. And we have no right to tear apart what Christ was torn apart to put together. No right. And Christ actually frees us from building our lives on ourselves and making it all about me and building our lives on him so that God's people together, we can come together and proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. The church is about he. The church is about we. Peter says we're a race, a people group. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a people for his own possessions. Look, you need more than one brick to build a house. You need more than one person to be a race or a priesthood or a nation or a people. You need more than one body part to be a body. Like, think about how ridiculous that would be. If it was just like legs just walking around. That's it. But that's how we treat the church sometimes. 
well, I'm not really needed. Or no, they got it. You know, somebody else is going to take care of that. Like, dude, we're, we're missing an arm up here in Liberty Kids. Could somebody who's an arm help us out? We could use a mouth on the band. Could somebody with a mouth who can sing help us out? You notice how I add it, who can sing? Just want to point that out. Now I'm messing with you. Listen, you're saved as an individual, absolutely, but not to be an individual. You're saved by Christ, in Christ, to be part of the people of God and part of a community of faith. And the church, actually, in this way, which is really interesting, becomes a microcosm of what God has intended for everybody, for all humanity. The New Testament contains 42 references to the body of Christ, all but one refer to these three things, one of these three things, Christ's physical body, the bread and communion, and the community of Christians. The church is where God, the Son, now dwells with his people in sacrament and worship. This was God's intention for the whole world. This is what God wanted for everybody. Genesis 1 through 2, God dwells with his image bearers, mankind in the garden, but Genesis 3, Adam and Eve's sin and they're banished from the garden. But Genesis 4, all the way through Revelation 19.5, has been about God bringing humanity back to that original intention. God has always been about dwelling with humanity, dwelling with, with us. In the Gospels, God the Son takes on flesh. What? To dwell with us. And his physical body was broken for the sins of the world. And at the end of Revelation 19.6 and following, we're given a picture of a future day when God will dwell physically with his image bearers once again. But until that day comes, where does God dwell? Well, it's the body of Christ. Where does the body of Christ now dwell? It dwells figuratively with his people. When we break the figurative body of Christ in communion, the Bible says God the Son is present with us. Do you take communion with that in mind, like Jesus is actually here with me? And when we gather together in worship, do you actually say, look, God dwells in my heart through the Holy Spirit, and as members of his body, as a member of his body, he's going to use my gifts that the Spirit has given me. And when he, we do that together, he dwells in our midst and he moves among us. God intended for there to be one human society bearing his image. He never intended for his image bearers to be built on brands. He never intended for us to be building up barriers to keep each other out. But rather, his desire is that we be built on Christ. And as Christ's body exercising the gifts the Holy Spirit has given to us, he promises to dwell with us. We, the church, become a picture now of the world's potential. That's the goal. A world built on Christ. A world that's interdependent and interconnected. Not brands, not barriers, but all humanity proclaiming the excellencies of Christ together. What an honor. What a privilege. But also, what a responsibility. The church is designed 
to show the world what it means to be the world, to be the place where God dwells, and to take that responsibility seriously, to reveal to the world its potential. But how do we do that? Let me just close with this. First, listen, work on expanding boundaries rather than building barriers. Where are you building barriers? What people group or what type of person, if they walked into your church, would you resist befriending? If they walked in these doors, you'd be like, you know what? We're just never going to be friends. I saw the bumper sticker he had on his car. Just not going to be friends with him. Or maybe there's somebody here you're already avoiding. Bring that to, to the Lord. And seek to make and maintain relationships with those people. Look, you don't have to be everybody's best friend, but you can be friendly. Right? You can be, act like a brother in the Lord, a sister in the Lord. And, and second, look, commit rather than consume. We want you here. I'll just say this as a leadership standpoint, as Liberty Church, we want you here. But it's also true, you are needed here. We can't be a proper building with missing bricks. We can't. We can't be a proper body with missing parts. So it's vital that you're here, and it's vital that you commit to being here. So commit today to be more committed today. Where do you need to make church more a priority? Where do you need to schedule your calendar around church, like home meetings and Sunday worship, not church around your calendar? Too many of us go, I'm going to figure out my calendar and I'll see if I can make it to church. I'm telling you guys, that's going to destroy your soul. It's going to destroy you. And will destroy your kids as well. And also remember, Sunday morning is a Saturday evening decision. You don't think I'm tired Saturday night and I would love to sleep in? I mean, I know I get paid to be here, but just pretend I didn't. <laughs> but my kids don't. My family doesn't get paid to be here. Listen, on Saturday night, you got to be like, doesn't matter how tired I am in the morning, I'm going to go to church. Doesn't matter if it's raining. Doesn't matter if it's snowing. As long as church is open, I'm coming. Doesn't matter if it's sunny outside. We have some problem with our resolve there. Like, I've just noticed this over the years. Like, if it's raining, we're like, I don't want to go to church. If it's sunny, it's like, I don't want to go to church. I'm going to go to the beach. Or I'm going to go to the park. Like, come on. We can do this, guys. Where can you get more interconnected and interdependent? Is it places like the men's retreat? Do you need to serve on a team? Or do you need to serve on one and a half teams? Is what we ask people to do. We say, hey, could you serve on one team, make that your priority, and then help and support another team? Could you do that? But look, we need to remind ourselves, when we say the Apostles' Creed in a moment, we need to remind ourselves that the church, the true covenant people of God. So let's be people who appreciate and enjoy the honor and privileges that come with being God's people. But let's also take our responsibility seriously, and we need to determine, do we want brands and barriers, or do we want to be a building and a body?